On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at the upstart Rangers and some Cubs injuries. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, May 10th. I'm Al Melchior. With me here to kick off the week is Derek Van Riper. And DVR, a little bit light on the news and notes, which means we get to dig into uh, the other stuff a little bit more. So looking forward to that. So let's get right to it. Um, Not looking forward to talking about Jacob deGrom, though. uh, An early exit from his Sunday start against the Diamondbacks. uh, Still an issue with tightness in his side. So he's going to get yet another MRI. Uh, hopefully we get information. We do have a, a later first pitch this Monday. So hopefully we get more information in the, in lieu of having that information by the time we have to set our rotations. Uh, I'm planning to roll with him. Uh, is that a, is that a wise thing for me to do? Uh, I am also grateful <laughs> for a, a later start on Monday. I think getting that extra information would be helpful. It seems weird that he would leave with the same injury that, was a problem for him last week and then not miss more time than he did between his last two starts. So I'm erring on the side of caution where I have a good option. If I don't have a good uh, pitching option on my bench, then, you know, take your chances on DeGrom if we don't have certainty about his availability for the week because he is the best pitcher in baseball. So uh, it's probably worth the risk, worth the possible zero if he is considered day to day when Locke rolls around. Yeah, that's the thing. And for example, I have him in 12 team tout wars and I do, I have good bench options there. I like my pitching depth, but you just can't replace Jacob deGrom. So it's really a tough decision. Hopefully we'll have more information later in the day. A couple of items here um, involving some returns in the not so uh, immediate future, but Key Brian Hayes, he was moved to the 60 day IL. And this is significant because there had been some reports within maybe the last week or so of him returning sometime in May. Obviously, now that is ruled out. We're looking at an early June return for him at the earliest. So, and while that kind of uh, frames in a negative way, we've got another item here that it's similar, it's a similar timetable, and yet we could view it much more positively, and that is Framber Valdez, who's been out with uh, the broken finger, and if uh, I'm sure you all do recall, uh, back at the time when he sustained that injury, that looked like maybe he was going to miss the whole season or a large chunk of it, and now uh, Dusty Baker saying that Valdez could be back as soon as June. So again, glass half full versus half empty, depending on uh, on expectations, but uh I'll take that as good news for Framber Valdez. couple of Cubs injuries. Jake Marisnik uh, left the Cubs game against the Pirates early on Sunday with a hamstring injury. Uh, decent chance that he could wind up going on the IL with that. And to compound things even more for the Cubs, they've already lost Ian Happ. Looks like they may lose Marisnik to the IL. And Jason Hayward coming out of that Sunday game with a hand injury. So DVR, you had talked before after the Happ injury um, Marisnik gaining some playing time. And of course now he could be out for quite a while. So uh, the Cubs have to go a little bit further down the depth chart. A couple of interesting names though, Matt Duffy, who's been playing pretty regularly anyway. I think that maybe solidifies his playing time and Cameron Mabin. Well, how do you like his chances for a call up and how do you like his fantasy value? If he does get a call up. 
I thought Maven was pretty interesting with the Yankees. I think it was two years ago now because he was starting to hit the ball in the air more often, getting into his power as a result. Still runs well, especially for his age. So could be a nice filler option if he does get the opportunity. I wonder if they would platoon him, though, as someone like Nick Martini, who's already on the roster. I think that'd be my concern is that the playing time might be a bit lighter than we'd like it to be for Maven. And we'd be talking about a guy who's more relevant in NL only leagues than he is in mixers. Well, I got outbid for Matt Duffy and TGFBI this weekend by Nick Pollock. Thanks a lot, Nick. Uh, I was actually kind of disappointed because Duffy, uh, the, the one thing that you can probably count on him for is pretty good batting average. He's a line drive hitter and with some regular play, maybe move the needle in that category a little bit. So there is some demand for him in 15 teamers uh, at the very least. So name to think about if he's still out there in your leagues. Uh, a couple of injuries and one more involving another Cub um, that appear to be pretty minor DVR, but I think it's still, you know, it's important for us to take pause here and figure out what to do for the week ahead. Javier Baez, uh, he missed Sunday's game with a tight back and uh, was lifted on Saturday with the, that injury. So uh, Cubs with a day off on Monday with the two and a half days of rest. Maybe he's ready, but a little bit of risk there. And Ramon Laureano dealing with the thumb injury. He was out on Sunday. So uh, any hesitation with starting either of these players for the coming week? I mean, with Baez, the off day Monday helps a bit, so he shouldn't lock until Tuesday. The key is making sure that your replacement for him doesn't lock prior to his lock, because if that happens, you can't swap him out. So uh, keep an eye on that if you are going to take the wait-and-see approach with Baez. Loreano, I have no feel for that situation whatsoever, so I'm just kind of anxiously awaiting more information on Monday. All right, that's what Mondays are all about uh, in fantasy baseball. And then Corbin Burns, uh, he is scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Monday. Some chance he gets activated. I would think that would be contingent on perhaps the the results of said bullpen session. Uh, But again, this, this is a case where we likely won't have enough information to make a fully informed decision on Corbin Burns. So do you just take the chance with him anyway this week? It seems pretty likely that he'd be back at some point this week. If he's going to rejoin his teammates on Monday, that gives him six days to make one start during the upcoming week. I think Thursday is kind of a logical fit just based on the fact that we have Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff lined up to get the first two games of the series against the Cardinals. You kind of hope Burns goes against the Cardinals as opposed to against the Braves, but he's good enough. You'd use him in any matchup anyway. Uh, But to me, there's a pretty big difference in lineup quality with those two teams. So I would plan on using Burns in weekly leagues based on what we know right now. All right. And we're going to talk about that uh, Brewers rotation and how it lines up a little bit later because it's uh, it's bad news for uh, for for uh, their opponents. Uh, But before we go there, DVR, let's take a look back at Sunday's games. Just a few standout performances to take note of, uh, mostly from the Rangers. Uh, They uh, won kind of a laugher over the uh, the Mariners. Uh, Dane Dunning playing a big role in that, going five innings, two runs allowed, uh, 10 strikeouts for Dunning in that one. So that boosts his uh, strikeout rate up a bit. But I think the most notable thing in his stat line is just giving up one home run and 33 and a third innings, not giving up too much hard contact and certainly aided by the fact that he's got a 53.7% ground ball rate. So how do you like that combination of skill indicators and how does that translate into um, you know, starting or benching Dunning in, in various formats? I think Dunning is trending towards being used pretty frequently in 12-team leagues. Part of it's that I still don't think the new ballpark in Arlington is particularly hitter-friendly, so that gives you some cushion right there. But 
I do like the way he's mixing his pitches. Sinker, slider, changeup was really the, the key for him again in the start against the Mariners on Sunday. So I'm, I'm in on Dunning in most 12-team situations. I don't know if I would throw him against you know a top three or top four team offensively, but I think at least against middle-of-the-pack teams and anything below, I'm definitely in. All right. Well, while Dunning contained the Seattle offense, the Rangers offense, they went off led by Adolis Garcia, three for four in that game with his ninth homer. You and I, DVR, had the exact same reaction to this. Uh, I think we both thought he maybe had five or six home runs. So he's uh, he's really tallied those up quickly. Also batting 297 on the season now with a couple of stolen bases. I really don't expect, maybe I could see him uh, being a power source this year. I really did not expect him to be teasing us with a near 300 average. So is this a good sell high opportunity for Garcia? As much as there can be one for a guy like this, I'd always wonder if he's better off in a lot of situations of just as a hold where you kind of see how long this lasts and maybe he exceeds your expectations for half the season or all season. But I think at the time that he started playing more, I pointed out that this is the organization that gave Danny Santana a lot of playing time in 2019 and they were rewarded with a pretty good season. At least fantasy owners who stuck with him were rewarded with a pretty good season. So it might not last long, long term. It might not be a good move in keeper in dynasty leagues to go out and trade for Adelise Garcia, but I think you might be surprised by how underwhelming trade offers are for him in leagues that allow you to do that. So you might be better off just holding him and seeing how things play out. All right. It's a tough thing to do. I mean, you've talked about this with other players. I know DVR, you know, saying it's like found money. So it's it's hard to, to trade to, to trade players like that for sure. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk about a couple of players who are standouts in, in sort of a negative way. Uh, Glaber Torres did homer on Sunday against the Nationals, but that is his first home run, and I would not have uh, predicted that he would go this deep into May or go into May at all without a home run. Better plate discipline this year as well as last year, but it's not really translating into better performance. The power is really just sort of evaporated. So how do you evaluate a player like this who had just one type of profile for the first couple of seasons of his career and then really just looks like a very different player um, for, for a good long while after that. Is it possible that he's hiding some kind of injury? Sure, anything's possible, but I look at Glaber Torres and I just see a clear buy low. I don't think they can afford to bury him on the bench, even though they've got decent depth. I think they could be the kind of team that maybe tries to find a way to move him to second base eventually, but he's going to play. And I think the power he's shown us in the past with the plate skills he's showing us now I want to believe he can do all of those things simultaneously and turn this slow start into still a pretty nice 2021 season, a big rebound from what he did a year ago. All right. And uh, one more player here, Zach Granke, just four innings deep against the Toronto Blue Jays, four runs allowed, uh, nine hits uh, allowed, but no walks. And he's just not getting the swings and misses. I mean, that's never been, or I shouldn't say never, but not recently been the strongest part of Granke's game. But he's now you know, down below a 10% swinging strike rate, down below a 20% strikeout rate. And the contact percentage in the zone is 
is frankly pretty bad at 91.1%, and he's seven starts deep into the season. So I, I feel like it's the point where, you know, maybe we think about evaluating Granky differently for 2021. I'm definitely looking at him as more of a fringe top 40 starter going forward, and I think he was pretty firmly near the back of the top 25 back during draft season. So a decent faller because the swing strike rate is down. That usually does come with a K rate that's depressed and the skills just seem like they're starting to fall apart a little bit on him. All right. Well, let's take a look at three pitchers on the very small Monday slate who do have some streaming intrigue. Jeff Hoffman at Pittsburgh, uh, at least, you know, for the matchup there, you have to like that. Uh, Mitch Keller going for the Pirates. Luke Weaver against the Marlins, uh, who are tossing pitcher TBD out there on the mound. And then Luis Garcia, who I know you like very much, but unfortunately of the three, he's got by far the worst matchup. He's got the Angels. Angels uh, may be going with Jose Suarez, but that could also be a TBD. So do you go for one of the uh, matchup options here, or do you go for the the skills with Garcia? I would try to pick up Garcia and just keep him on my bench because I think he is the most long-term value of these three pitchers by far. But if I had to use one for the start on Monday, it's actually Luke Weaver with it being a good matchup that he also gets at home. Um, want to be careful with Weaver overall. I don't think he's a permanent fixture on mixed league rosters, but I do think this is a well above average matchup for him to take advantage of. All right. And then looking ahead to the week here, I'm just going to quickly give you a couple of teams with really bad matchups and a couple of teams with really good matchups. Uh, so on the bad side, Mets just have a five game week, two versus Baltimore, three at Tampa Bay, including John Means, Tyler Glass now. Uh, Shane McClanahan, uh, Ryan Yarbrough, uh, with Matt Harvey probably being the the weakest of the five. Cardinals, this is brutal. Three at Minnesota, three at San Diego. Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, possibly Burns. You mentioned that earlier. That's a rough, rough stretch. And then they go on and face Joe Musgrove. Chris Paddock, who was activated on Sunday and had a good, although short, start. And Denelson Lamette. So pretty rough schedule there. On the other hand, Giants and Reds, very good schedules. Uh, both get... The uh, Pirates this week, uh, Giants have two versus Texas, three at Pittsburgh. Reds have three at Pittsburgh, four at Colorado. So out of this group, maybe one or two batters that you just are absolutely avoiding and one or two batters that uh, you think should get a boost and, and maybe start when they otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, I think with the Mets, especially anybody that doesn't play every day is definitely a sit. I mean, you think about guys like Dominic Smith, like he'd be someone that I'd probably bump out of the lineup because you figure McClanahan, Yarbrough, Means, those are all lefties. He could sit against all of those guys in a weekly league. So definitely want to be careful there. Uh, love the teams going on the road to Colorado, though, like always. Anytime the Rockies come back home, you get San Diego going there, but you get the Reds getting in there. So that's a bump for me for some of the Reds hitters. Like a guy like Suarez, who might have been sitting for me in a shallow league, is definitely in with a chance to sort of get right in Colorado. All right. And I'll just point out one other thing, too. Nixon Zell, chance to play regularly this week. And not only, you know, a good park in Colorado, but a couple of catchers that he could steal against this week. So something to consider there. So uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And if you do have an opportunity to rate and review this podcast, we really uh, appreciate that and thank you in advance for doing that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melker, and we'll be back here on Tuesday. <laughs>